Hello, welcome to Culture Watch, a podcast of Speaking for Him. My name is Andrew Gomison, and each and every week I have the opportunity to be your host as I delve into some current events from a Christian perspective. And I want to say, first of all, off the top of this show, that I'm super grateful for all the people that are listening. If you are new here, if this is your first time listening to the Culture Watch podcast, or if you're relatively new here and I have not made your acquaintance, would you please take the time to drop a line and let me know what you like about the show, what you would like to hear in the show. Maybe there's a news story that I didn't talk about that you think I should, or just a general topic for my other podcast that you think I should cover. Any of that can be dealt with by contacting me with the information that will roll at the end of the show. But just know that I'm super grateful for the recent uptick in listens that I've had across my podcast network. So I am extremely grateful for each and every one of you, and I hope that you have a wonderful day as you seek to serve the Lord to the best of your ability. That being said, let's jump in to the news for the week of October 16th. We start out our news coverage today by looking in on the speaker race in the House of Representatives. House Republicans geared up for a critical vote on who might be their next speaker. And Congressman Jim Jordan out of Ohio might hold the gavel. Or might not. It's not a sure thing. Uh, Chad Pergram's been watching all the movement. Where are we now, Chad? Bill, good morning. Jim Jordan worked over the weekend to court the votes for speaker, but he's still believed to be well short of the necessary votes to win. His allies are trying to narrow the deficit before a midday vote tomorrow. Focus is to get Jim Jordan elected speaker, get this uh, Congress back moving again. It's one thing to get elected. It's another thing to govern. Look, I, I realize how difficult it is. It took me 15 rounds. However, Jordan did score a major win this morning. House Armed Services Committee Chairman Mike Rogers is now for Jordan. On Friday, Rogers adamantly opposed Jordan. There's talk of a coalition of lawmakers teaming up to tap a bipartisan speaker. Desperation is now seeping through the House. There are informal conversations that have been underway when we get back to Washington tomorrow. It's important to begin to formalize those discussions. It's time to end the Republican civil war. It's about the math. Jordan can only lose four votes and still become speaker. Some Republicans oppose Jordan because of what they interpret as strong arm tactics. Another candidate for speaker could emerge tomorrow. Bill? Okay. Just a couple things that I want to say about this particular issue. First of all, this whole ouster of McCarthy as House Speaker really snuck up on me. I did not believe he should have been ousted. I do believe there was some conflict, but not all conflict is bad. We're not going to be in 100% agreement with anyone who is in our leadership. We just need to do our best to put the best person in place for the job. And the U.S. House of Representatives needs a speaker so they can move forward with the business that affects this nation. So we need to get this resolved. I do like Jim Jordan. I have an immense amount of respect for Jim Jordan, and I hope that he gets the votes necessary to become the next speaker. 
I am a little concerned when I hear people talking about making sure that they get a bipartisan speaker. We talk a lot about having bipartisan support. We hear politicians all the time talk about working across the aisle. It's something that is a big thing that they say, but how much of it do they do? Now, what I find really disheartening when we talk about the issue of working across the aisle is that I see this as something that the Republicans try to do and something that the Democrats very rarely try to do. There are exceptions. There are a couple Democrats that have worked successfully across the aisle. You have Joe Menchin and Kristen Sinema who have proven to be people that are reasonable Democrats, which is a very rare find indeed, and they have made it difficult for the Biden agenda to be pushed through at the speed that they wish that it could be pushed through. But for the most part, Democrats are very shameless about the agenda that they push forward. And I fear that a lot of times, in the name of compromise, Republicans weaken their positions. Let me give you an example. Have you ever heard a major Democratic senator or representative agree on limitations for abortion? The fact of the matter is, no, you have not. Because the wholesale killing of unborn children is a major pillar of the Democratic Party. So the few voices in the Democratic sphere that are a little soft on this issue get drowned out by the others because this is a non-compromise issue. When it comes to gay marriage and gay rights, you have a similar issue where the Democrats are all in and they see no room for compromise. And so what I am saying to you is, as much as in a perfect world... We would find areas of compromise to come together for the betterment of both parties. It's not something that happens in practical reality. The reality is that there is a great divide and we need to acknowledge it and work within it. And the reality is that we have one group of people who calls evil good and good evil and one group of people who by and large stands for the truth. Now, I know that there was a push to codify uh, gay marriage even further legislatively, and we had a lot of Republican support for that. And I was very disappointed that there were a lot of Republicans who did not uphold the moral standard of God's definition of marriage, which is one man and one woman. And so there's definitely areas where there's weakness and compromise that is not a good thing. So when we talk about going across the aisle, do I think there are areas where we can do that? I think so. I think there can be some agreement on government programs. I think that if the Democrats and the Republicans worked really hard, they could come up with a compromise of sorts on illegal immigration, we need to hammer out a better immigration policy. That's something that is needed here 
in America. So I do think there are areas open for compromise. But the moral issues, the issues that have to do with the social and moral fabric of America, there is no room for compromise. So when we talk about a bipartisan House Speaker, I'm very scared, or probably a better word is concerned, very concerned about what that could mean. And I am just putting it out there today to encourage you to pray for your leaders. We are told in the scriptures to pray for those who are in authority, and so we really do need to pray for them as they are hammering out this important decision about who will be the next speaker. We also need to be in prayer about the Israeli-Hamas conflict that is continuing to affect our world. Tensions are rising on college campuses across the United States as student groups speak out in support of either the Israeli or Palestinian people. The divide in the Middle East on full display right here at home. Joining me now, University of Florida President, former Senator Ben Sass. Good to have you with us this morning, sir. Thank you for the invite, Shannon. I want to read a little bit of what you said in your statement. You said what Hamas did is evil. This shouldn't be hard. Sadly, too many people in elite academia have been so weakened by their moral confusion that when they see videos of raped women, hear of a beheaded baby or learn of a grandmother murdered in her home, the first reaction of some is to, quote, provide context and try to blame victims. It is beneath people called to educate our next generation of Americans. I saw a few statements that were quite that clear. What's been the response? You know, Shannon, we're, uh, we're, we have the most Jewish students of any campus in the country at the University of Florida, and we're going to do two things at Florida. We're going to protect our Jewish students, and we're going to protect speech. It really doesn't seem like it should be that hard. Um, you've, got, you've got so many universities around the country that speak about every topic under the sun, Halloween costumes and microaggressions, but somehow at a moment of the the most grave, grotesque attacks on Jewish people since the Holocaust, they all of a sudden say there's too much complexity to say anything. It doesn't make any sense to us. And so we just did two basic things. We announced that we're going to protect our Jewish students and we're going to protect speech. There's been a lot of... Uh focus on Harvard. You are a graduate of that university. Here's what some student groups said in a statement that a number signed on to. We, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. There's been a lot of backlash to that. There have been three statements now at last count that I saw from the president there, Claudine Gay. Um, there are some. Here's what she said. Our students have the right to speak for themselves, but none of these groups speaks for Harvard University or its leadership. Some say that wasn't enough of a condemnation of that statement. What do you think? Well, it's not really my my purpose to comment on what's happening on other campuses particularly, but I'll say this in general. There's just way too little education happening on a lot of elite campuses in America right now. Um, there's been such a fo- focus on victim ideology for so long and such a little limited focus on actually reading texts. When these university presidents want to say these issues are too complex, I mean, we have we have raped girls, stolen, uh, kidnapped grandmas. We have a massacre at a concert. We have intentionally targeted schools and babies. 
This isn't morally complex. It's easy to condemn evil as evil. But if they want to wrestle with complexity, why don't some of these university presidents stand up and actually read the Hamas charter on their campus and then grapple with the call for the genocide and eradication of the Jewish people? Because that's who Hamas is. This isn't gray. We know who Hamas is. And so why don't universities get back to actually educating and help students that are so confused in groups like that have to actually come to terms with the fact that the paraglider imagery um, these black patches that people at protests around the world are putting on their their shirts as they go to these protests, these uh, these demonstrations, these are not surprise images. These flow directly from the text of Hamas's charter. And so why don't the universities do a little bit of educating? Ben Sass makes such an important point in this story here. And first of all, let me just say how excited I was to find out that he indeed is the president of the University of Florida. I had no idea that that was the case. I liked Ben when he was in the Senate, and I thought that he was a great up-and-coming political leader. I thought that maybe even he might become president one day. Um, And so I guess he chose to become president in another venue, that being the University of Florida. But what Ben is talking about here is so very important as we deal with this conflict or as we deal with anything that we are talking about today. And that is having a concrete and correct view of history. The reality is that God's chosen people, the Israelites, have been persecuted for ages. They were enslaved for much of their history as far as the Bible goes. Remember the interesting conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders when they said they were not in bondage to anyone. When Jesus talked about them being in bondage, they said, we are not in bondage to anyone. And the ironic part of that statement is that they were currently... At the time that Jesus said that in bondage to Rome and they had a history of being in bondage to a variety of world leaders throughout time. They were in bondage to Egypt and they were in bondage to any number of foreign nations in judges when they were establishing themselves in the promised land. They would go against God and against his standards and he would allow them to be captured to humble them and bring them back to himself. And then he would free them again. And the reality is, as we talked about last week, that we are called to pray for the peace of Israel. And we need to make sure that we are praying for innocence on both sides. But make no mistake. Hamas is a terrorist organization who is bent on eliminating the Jewish nation. And in World War II, there was a certain gentleman by the name of Adolf Hitler who had that goal, and he eliminated six million Jews in the name of creating a pure Aryan race. This is true. These are facts. And I fear that so many people, particularly students on college campuses, have bought so far into the victim mentality 
that's been brought forth by the woke movement that they cannot comprehend that Hamas would attack Israel unless Israel had first victimized them. We need to teach our children history. We need to teach them that they're not all victims, that there is some legitimate, simply evil people in the world, and we need to do it quickly. Part of the reason that speaking for him exists is so that we will not raise up a next generation that completely forgets about God and his standards. We need to sound the clarion call and let people know that if we continue down this road of naivete, we will be in trouble. There is a common saying that has never been more true than it is today, which is that those who do not learn from history will be doomed to repeat it. We know from history that Hitler failed to eliminate the Jewish nation. We know from the Bible that numerous other nations failed to eliminate the Jewish nation. Hamas will not be successful in eliminating the Jewish nation because God is their God and he will protect them. He has a plan for his people and we need to continue, as I said, to pray for the innocents on both sides and that this war would come to an end and that God would be glorified. The final story that I have to share today is about how our liberal politicians are dealing with this Israeli-Hamas conflict and I really think that the reactions of our students that Ben Sass has referred to are in large part because of the things that they see those in authority do and how they see them react. We already talked about that from a college perspective when the president of Harvard made her statement and Ben Sass questions whether it was strong enough, whether she came uh, down in favor of supporting Israel to the point that she should, but also uh, been balancing the need for free speech. But we also see that people push narratives that work for them with little regard for the truth. We're back with a Fox News alert. 30 Americans now confirmed dead and another 13 unaccounted for after Hamas unleashed its reign of terror in Israel last week. Meantime, politics is getting more clouded than normal in the fog of war. And a now deleted post, squad member Ilan Omar reposted a photo of dead children that was not from the Israel-Hamas war. It wasn't even from Gaza. It was taken after a 2013 chemical weapons attack in Syria. She posted that just days after her fellow squad member AOC warned about spreading misinformation. She cautioned people to, quote, take a moment to pause and check for veracity and for confirmation from multiple sources. Well, here's something that is very real and confirmed. A bipartisan delegation of senators had to rush to a shelter when Hamas rocket fire broke out earlier in Tel Aviv. That would have been earlier today. Let's take this step by step, if we could, for a moment. Aisha, um... 
AOC is not wrong in the proliferation of misinformation out there on every form of media. Uh, And it's said that the first thing that dies in war is the truth. Congress is a very interesting place full of a a ton of people that have very unique personalities. Let me just start off with that. And we often hear all sorts of things from different factions, the progressives for sure. Um, What I will say is no tweet or post on X, whatever you want to call it, is going to do anything for the Palestinian people if that is what you really care about. Um, Getting them humanitarian aid, getting them out of Gaza is what's going to help the Palestinian people. Republicans may be divided about who the heck they're going to pick for speaker, but they are united on one thing, and that's Israel. This is a huge problem for Democrats, is that they're divided about this. And there's been a lot of backlash over things that Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib have said, and so on and so forth. But let me just pull out a couple of different points from this new poll from uh, PBS and NPR, Ameris poll. It shows that two-thirds of Americans, 65 percent, say the U.S. should publicly support Israel. That is Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Eight out of ten Americans are afraid this war is going to lead to a broader war. And more than half of Americans do not support President Biden's handling of the war between Israel and Hamas. These are the things that Democrats should be paying attention to, not somebody's random tweet. And Sarah, they're divided because their constituency is divided. And and like everything else we've learned, when they call someone a racist, they're usually exhibiting racist behavior. If they cloak themselves in the mantle of science, they're usually promoting something anti-scientific. And here they warn us about misinformation, rightfully, and promote it within their own squad, promote misinformation. Right. And I want to go back to what you said right at the opening, which is at the, you know, in the fog of war, propaganda takes over, right? And, and we have to be very cautious of this. And Ilhan Omar was right about that. We anybody can fall victim to. Uh, That's AOC. Prop, a, I'm sorry. Ilhan Omar is the one. I'm sorry, AOC. I don't want to. Yeah, Ilhan Omar. No, AOC. Yes, um, that AOC was right when she said this. And and this is important because when we have studied war, right? Even going back, you go back to World War II. You study the propaganda campaigns that have come out. We don't know now how much Iran is pushing out, how much China is pushing out as far as propaganda, and we could be falling victim to that as well. And I think that's something that we have to watch out for. And I think you're absolutely right. We have been drawn into a conflict, an ancient conflict, and it's here now in the United States. And just like you said, Guy, we are not out of it. We've lost 30 Americans. We are watching our greatest ally in the Middle East face probably the worst War since Yom Kippur, far worse. We don't know where this is going to end. And I think it's our responsibility and certainly congressional responsibility to ensure that what we're giving out to the American people and disseminating is true. And just to clarify one element of this and put a finer point on what Ilhan Omar amplified, it was a photograph of dead (laughs) babies that she attributed to Israel. She was claiming through that retweet that Israel had killed these children. And, of course, the photo was from a decade ago in a different country. It was a lie. But her impulse, her instinct was to try to blame the Israelis for the death of children. And here's the sad part. Palestinian children have been killed already. More Palestinian children will be killed in the days to come. Cutting through the fog of war, it is important when we get those reports, verified or otherwise, when that happens, is that Israel goes out of its way to avoid that, whereas Hamas goes out of its way to kill innocent people. And that is one of the most important 
fundamental moral touchstones to think about when you consider this war in the coming weeks or maybe months, because there will be death tolls piling up, some maybe of dodgy uh, provenance, because I don't trust Hamas to give us accurate information. Absolutely. There will be civilian casualties among Gazans, but Israel really goes out of its way to try to avoid that. That is precisely the opposite of the Hamas mentality. And Hamas puts their citizens, as I said in the open, in the line of fire for the reason for us to have this conversation, for the reason for... uh, To use them as human shields. That's right. And then as propaganda, if and when they are killed. So I realized that this was a long clip, but there was a lot there that I wanted to make sure that I shared with you and I didn't want to leave anything out. So let's break this down. First of all, we have Representative Tlaib, who sadly represents my state of Michigan, and she posted a picture supposedly of Israelis being violent to Palestinians in this conflict, but it was actually a picture from a decade ago. And this is shortly after... AOC comes out and says, beware of propaganda and don't post false information. Test the veracity of the things that you post because it's important for us to be truthful. And I can totally agree with her on that. This conflict is horrible. There are innocent people dying on both sides of the conflict and we need to pray for the peaceful resolution of it. But we also need to be honest about what is happening. I've already said a little bit about that in the last story, so I'm not going to reiterate it all. But let's be clear. The Israeli forces have made it, made it very clear that their goal is to protect citizens and to save as many citizens as they can. Whereas Hamas takes the approach of using people, and particularly children, as human shields. Which side do you think deserves your support, based simply on that? God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy, I have set before you life and death, therefore choose life that thou and thy descendants may live. And so I think as you unpack this issue and as you think about the Hamas-Israeli conflict, think about these things. First of all, as I said earlier, Israel is God's chosen people. God doesn't take kindly to people who are aggressing against them. Secondly, Hamas attacked Israel. Anything that Israel is doing militarily right now is a response to Hamas's attack of Israel. We need to keep that in mind. We also need to hold our elected officials to a high standard of disseminating truth because we rely on them to be leaders in our country. As I said, our young people will take cues from their leadership. And so I really think that we need to 
continue to speak out against anyone who sides with Hamas. And I think it's worth noting that the sexually liberated lifestyles that so many liberals here in the United States embrace are not embraced by Hamas. They are actually decried by Hamas. And so how you can have an LGBTQ pride flag and a Hamas flag, a Palestinian flag, hanging next to each other by your office is beyond me. Because those two flags are diametrically opposed to one another. Of course, our primary goal as Christians is to make sure that the things we stand for and the things that we believe are in accordance with the Word of God. And the Word of God says that Israel is God's chosen people. The Word of God says that the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, is the permanent dweller on David's throne. Because remember, David was told, you will have an inhabitant on your throne forever. And that is Jesus Christ. The only way there could be a permanent inhabitant on the throne of David is if that inhabitant was eternal. And Jesus is eternal. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday and today and forever. So as we continue to pray for the people of Israel, we can know that we are praying to a God who does not change and a God who says to those who love him, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, last week on the show, I prayed for Israel, and I'm going to do the same thing this week. They still need our prayers. There's a lot of craziness going on, and so please join me, won't you? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your chosen people, Israel. I thank you that you brought Jesus out of the tribe of Judah. I thank you that he is a lion not a domesticated pussycat. I thank you that he already knows the end from the beginning because he is the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, I pray for the leadership of Israel, and I pray for the leadership of this country, and I pray for the leadership of other countries in the world to come to the aid of Israel. And I pray that Hamas will be dispensed of in short order. Above all, I pray for the protection of the Israeli and Palestinian innocents that are caught in this battle. And I pray that you will be honored and glorified as this war ends. Lord, we know that there is great trouble in the world, but we also know that you said to us, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. We place the children of Israel in your hands, where they have been for centuries, and we look forward to what you will do in this situation to bring glory to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of our risen Savior Jesus. Amen. 
Well, that's about all I have time for on today's show. As I said, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends, and please contact me if you have any feedback. If you would like me to share a voicemail with your opinions and thoughts on the next episode, please leave a two-minute message on my blog at speakingforhim.blogspot.com. That will be repeated with the contact information that's about to roll. With that being said, this is Andrew Gomison for Culture Watch saying, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.